the same pathway, the dopamine pathway that we share uh, with addictive substances does occur. Um, However, Welcome to the Daily Dietitian Podcast. I am your host, Stacey Mitchell. I am so happy to have you here. My goal for this podcast is to break down the latest health topics and help clear the clutter in the messy world of nutrition and fitness. We hope to inspire, educate, and entertain all things wellness. Join us as we talk with experts in their fields on how to feel our best in our own body and mind. Welcome to our eight-week summer series of episodes to help you ditch the summer diets and start making peace with your current beach body. We want to be in your ears this summer to delete those diet-restrictive ways, become educated on the effects of diets, and learn how to make those mindset shifts to build a healthier relationship with your mind and body. Today on the podcast, we welcome back another guest, registered dietitian, Elizabeth Thiel, and she will talk about everything that has to do with sugar, those cravings, how the mind works, how the body works, and the science behind it to help you navigate these troublesome areas and overcome your sugar addiction. You will not want to miss this episode. Elizabeth, it's so great to have you on again. Um, I am so excited to reconnect. Can you give a little introduction about yourself for those who are new? Yes, of course. Well, thank you so much for having me on here. Um, I so appreciate you asking me a second time, and I'm excited to talk about our topic today. So my name is Elizabeth Beal. I own a private practice, Elizabeth Beal Nutrition, and um, I am completely virtual located currently though in the state of Florida, but I am virtual. Um, And I work with those healing their relationship with an eating disorder, disordered eating, and focusing in on intuitive eating and health at every size. I love it. And it goes back, I think you were on way back on um, episode number 21 titled Intuitively Confused Eating Fasting Help. That was a fantastic episode, as well as um, the best intuitive eating tips from registered dietitians. You were also in on that one, too. So the big question for this summer series that we have, and the reason why I wanted to start this summer series is just to keep reminding people that they don't have to fall into the diet culture ways during the summer when we put on those shorts or those swimsuit. Big topic that we're going to talk about today is why am I addicted to sugar. This is a big one. (laughs) Yeah, it makes me a little nervous because I feel like there are some uh, big opinions out there on sugar addiction. There's a lot of research going both ways. Um, But I think this is also one that I hear a lot from my clients of this, uh, I feel addicted to sugar. And I always say that's a very valid feeling. Like I'm not going to downplay that. That's a valid feeling that you're feeling. Um, However, I will say, but let me come in and maybe provide you with a little information um, there. So I think a lot of it comes from, um, there's a a few different things. So, um, you know, we have this idea around food of when um, I'm in this like potential binge restrict cycle. And so what that really means is like, 
the individual, um, they've created this like forbidden food and okay, let's use the example of like cake. Okay. I can't have any cake because I feel like I'm addicted to it. So we can go a little bit without cake, a little bit without cake. And then maybe we're at a birthday party and we're like, Oh, I just can't stop thinking about the cake. I shouldn't have it. And we have this whole back and forth mindset. And then we lean in, we have the cake, and then it feels like we can't stop eating the cake. And so then our minds tell us, well, I'm addicted to cake. And so then we start this cycle back over again. So a lot of my clients have unfortunately experienced this, and that's an extremely valid feeling, like I said, to have that. Um, But there is a lot of research out there that says that um, we cannot be addicted to said sugar or food um, because of that. So um, if you're okay, I want to share like some of that research um, on that as well. Um, so I think, okay, cool. So um, the research out there says that like food does share a common uh, brain pathway with other addictive substance, substances. So meaning that the same pathway, um, the dopamine pathway that we share uh, with adu- uh, addictive substances does occur. Um, however, um, that same pathway will light up even if we are having, um, like listening to a really fun song or uh, petting um, our animals or whatever that is, that pathway will also light up. So to be able to just zone in and say that, sugar does that um we can't really because there's a lot of other like compounding factors there um and so because of that um it's really difficult to determine that sugar is addictive because of that does that make sense (laughs) yes um so it's kind of saying it it still is there our brain still enjoys it we still find joy in it but it just mm-hmm. is probably not as strong as other substances. Exactly, exactly. And they, um, I feel like I keep saying it, but they have done a lot of research that shows that we cannot be addicted to something like a substance um, uh, unlike sugar. So it's impossible for that to happen. Again, I always want to say like, that's a very valid feeling, how you're feeling around it, but there is no real science behind that. Um, I also think that, you know, the, we light up too, like when we get excited to eat. So when we're like, Oh, okay. Like I'm ready to eat. Like maybe if we go back to that birthday party example, like maybe it'd been a few hours since you had ate. And so then our brain activity lights up and we're like, Oh, I'm anticipating this. Maybe there's also, uh, like some like feelings around that, like being like nervous about it or anxious or stressed. So all of that is going to be lighting up um, as well um, within our brains. So those feelings, though, come back to I'm addicted to this, um, to the sugar because of that. So I think also something to look at when we're looking at um, addiction to sugar is that a lot of the studies that they have done are really in rats. Um, So not a lot of it has been done in the human population. And um, when you're looking at um, mice rat studies, it's, they do a lot of food um, science on them um, and uh, rats do usually like they go towards food. And so these studies that they're showing are not necessarily um, the same as what they could be in a human, because as a human, we have a lot of different feelings and emotions around food versus a mice or a rat would have. So that's something else I wanted to throw out there. (laughs) Yes. 
I just <laughs> recently saw a little like TED Talk video, and it was an animation, and it was about uh, being addicted to sugar. And and again, they were pointing out exactly what you were saying. I love animations on it. I'll I'll have to share that in the show notes. But it said just what you were saying. Yes, the dopamine still lights up, but the the desire, the need is not as strong as like other substances like drugs. Because I think we hear that a lot. It can be just as addicting as cocaine or whatever that may be. And so then mm-hmm. that almost validates why we mm-hmm. have such strong feelings. Because we know if an addict has these strong feelings, then yes, I'm feeling mm-hmm. that too. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Yeah. And um not to take away from that, but like if you are addicted to drugs, coming off of that is a very different as well than coming off of sugar. Um, so I never want to like downplay because going through uh, like an addiction for drugs is very different than coming off of an addiction to sugar um, as well. So, yes. Um, so I also just wanted to kind of hit on again, kind of like, the binge uh, restrict cycle um, because the labeling of food, I think is something that I hear a lot as a clinician of like, uh, this food is like good and bad for me. But if we like break it down in a way, so a lot of times if I ask my clients to tell me what's a bad food, that's okay. I keep going back to the cake example. Okay. Cake's a bad food. So what's a good food? Oatmeal. Okay. So we have our good food. We have our bad food. However, our bodies don't really look at it that way. Our bodies, um, when we consume that food, it breaks it down any other way. Um, It breaks it down into uh, the simplest form, so into our glucose, into our fatty acids, into our amino acids. So that is all broken down. And our body, um, if it was truly addicted to that sugar, then we'd be almost addicted to all foods because no matter if you're having that oatmeal or that cake, it's still going to break down into that glucose and those other components. So again, it's just another reason why like food addiction or sugar addiction can't really occur because our bodies are breaking it down in any, like into the simplest forms, no matter what. Now, of course, we're going to have a different reaction, maybe with our blood sugars from a piece of cake to oatmeal. Um, so maybe we like crave uh, the the cake again because our bodies biologically, we had what's called like a simple um, carbohydrate. And so it might spike our blood sugar and come back down a little bit faster or it will come back down faster versus the oatmeal, which would take some time for that blood sugar to come back down. So of course, then we're going to, our bodies biologically are going to say, okay, well, I need more sugar because of that because it came back down after having that piece of cake. And so then we reach for something sweet again. And so that whole cycle starts to happen. And again, if maybe we had that piece of cake with, I don't know, some some peanut butter, or we had it with a glass of milk or like something like that, that could help kind of level out those blood sugars. That could also help us from um, feeling like we're, we have this addiction to it and like we keep needing to have it. Yes. Stabilizing those blood sugars also help stabilizing our hunger levels. And so that will help kind of like, ah, I can, food is not controlling me. So that's, that's the big here, big thing. What would be some beginning steps if someone is having trouble with sugar addiction? How do you overcome Mm -hmm. that? 
Mm-hmm. So I think that's a good question. Uh, first, I think understanding kind of the science, and I just did a very brief overview there of like what actually happens when we are eating our food, like what's going on there. And working with a dietitian can be extremely helpful in this situation to just kind of understand our specific um, needs with nutrition, because we know that nutrition is so individualized. So working with someone who actually really understands your needs and how that science can be applied to that. Um, and I think the next step from there would be trying to add different variety into your meals too. having different carbohydrates, having um, like consistent carbohydrates throughout the day. That's one that I'll see a lot too of like um, of individuals telling me like, I know that I'm addicted to sugar, but if I just limit my, um, my piece of chocolate at night to this amount, I'm fine around it. And that's fine. Um, you might be able to do that. However, um, that cycle, again, the binge restrict cycle may come up and you might be able to do that. Um, however, you might feel more at peace if you were able to have more carbohydrates throughout the day um, because that provides our body with consistent, um, our, our blood sugar is being more consistent because of that. So variety, the long winded answer for me saying variety. Um, also ensuring that we're eating every three to four hours, I think is really important as well, um, to help stabilize those blood sugars. And I think creating a positive, um, food experience when I'm working with individuals specifically with binge eating disorder, the first step that I'm doing is we're talking about those foods that we don't feel safe around but bringing them into the house and creating a very neutral environment with those foods um, and saying that this food is neither good nor bad. And when we take that power away from food, it gives us such like a freeing feeling because we don't feel like this food has power over um, over us and we have the power over food. Um, so all of this though is very easy for me to sit here and say all of this. Um, and again, I think having that compassion for ourselves is going to be extremely important as we're kind of going through this and understanding um, a pretty probably complicated relationship that we have with sugar um, and what that kind of, and what we want our relationship to look like in the future as well. Sugar has been so demonized um, just in growing up, you know, like you have to finish your plate before you have dessert or you can't have any candy because it's not a treat day or even some people Mm -hmm. go to the extremes of having a a cheat meal or a cheat day as they get older. But it's kind of been ingrained ingrained in us is like you can't have too much of that because the kid will go crazy they'll get they'll have too much energy and then so it it just kind of keeps uh filtering Mm -hmm. in throughout our lifestyle as a no-no a bad food and it's the the mindset as being very controlling I almost like to use the example of like a rebel teenager you know the more Mm -hmm. mom or dad say no the more mm-hmm. that rebel teenager is going to go ahead and go out drinking and stay out late. And yeah. <laughs> I know that's a bad example, but that's exactly no, I, what but, the restriction is holding us with yeah. food. <laughs> exactly. exactly. No, it truly is. Like if you tell me to do something, like not to do something, I'm going to do the opposite right. of that. It's the exact same thing. Our brains are we're wired that way. We're human beings. We don't like being told what to do. Um, and I think like that whole narrative, like you said, um, there has been 
so many messages for years and years and years. And yes, I'm like that nerdy person who like looks up like, when did the first diet ever start? And like all of this stuff, but there's always been this message of like sugar and what it can and can't do. And I think that's one message that has been there for a very long time. We have like ups and downs with fad diets of like low fat, high fat, high protein, low protein. But for some reason, sugar is consistently demonized. And, um, and I think it comes back to um, diet, the diet industry, diet culture, constantly pushing out this, that it's addictive. Um, and when we hear that as a human being, we can then say, yes, that's what it is. I am addicted to sugar. And that has to give some comfort there because I'm sure people, if they have those feelings, they like want to call it something. And so when the diet industry can give us that label and say, oh, it's a sugar addiction, that feels like, oh, yes, I'm addicted to sugar. It also feels like there's some hope there of like, I can heal this because if I'm an addict, I can heal from my addiction. And there's plenty of things out there within the diet industry that will quote unquote help you heal this addiction. But a lot of times it is continued restriction. And that's again, why I would encourage individuals, if you feel like you're struggling with this, to reach out to a dietitian that works specifically with um, breaking, you know, this like the binge restrict cycle to be able to heal your relationship so that when you go to the birthday party, you don't have all of the thoughts going through your head of, can I have the cake? Can I not have the cake? What's going to happen? If I don't have the cake, what will happen later? Like to quiet all of those thoughts um, around sugar um, because it doesn't deserve that much power. And it's almost a quick fix too for doctors. I've heard clients tell me, well, my doctor told me to cut out sugar in my diet. And that's one thing that they can do. And then they find maybe some results. Um, but there are some people who say, yes, I cut it out and I don't have any more cravings. What would you say to that person? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think that's good. And I'm going to, again, I would say, that's great. I'm, I'm glad that you've had that success. Like, that's awesome. Um, what happens when you're in this situation? And, you know, a lot of times I'll, like, give, like, hypotheticals. Oh, well, I just don't have it. And so then I go back in my uh, anti-diet dietitian way of, like, okay, but is the healthier choice um, that we couldn't enjoy the piece of cake because we were afraid of how we were going to respond around it? Or is the healthier choice enjoying the piece of cake and moving on um, with with our day? Um, and so, yeah, I never want to invalidate anybody, like, if they've had that feeling. I also would come in, I do a lot of, like, uh, nutrition education around it. Like, when our doctors tell us to cut out sugar or if someone said cut out sugar, sugar is uh, carbohydrates. So, the, you know, having our whole grains and our simple carbohydrates and our fruits and vegetables and yogurts and like all of that is also sugar. Are we cutting all of that out? Why? I hope not. Um, so I think that sugar is kind of that, like the thought is always like cake and cookies and, you know, all of these things that have really been pushed, um, on us as well. So. Yeah. It gets a little sticky, and I think when people go out into real life and holidays and parties, that's where maybe the slip-up and hiccup can happen, and and then, you know, the intuitive eating can, can really help in those situations. Yep, it, it really can. Yeah, and I'll see that a lot of like, oh, the holidays are coming up. I'll get back on track like afterwards. 
Um, but I always say, what if you don't have to do that? What if you had a solid relationship with food where you can go into that party um, or the holiday thing and like enjoy it and leave and not have those feelings afterward? Because the guilt and the shame play a really big role within um, any type of feelings around that sugar addiction, um, what I've seen from my clients. So if we can come out of that without those feelings, without that, um, I would say that's a definite success. Um, versus feeling like I have to get back on track. Yes, 100%. Um, Any other last takeaways? Um, I don't think so. I feel like we've covered it. Hopefully this will help your subscribers have at least uh, plant some seeds around it and start doing kind of some research around sugar addiction and what that looks like for them. Right, exactly. I wanted to take a little break to talk to you about a meal kit that I am loving right now. I will be honest, making dinners, grocery shopping has kind of become a boring task for me. I'm lacking in motivation and I just want to snap my fingers and voila, mealtime is done and the family loves it. (laughs) Oh, how I can dream, but I did stop on an ad that caught my eye and it spoke to me to make meal planning, shopping, and cooking easier. So I thought, why not try it out? And that is Hungry Root. Hungry Root takes out all the headaches of meal planning, grocery shopping, meal prepping, and recipe finding so you don't even have to think. Deleting the decisions were so helpful for me. If you want to try it out for yourself, I have a special code in the show notes to get 50% off your first order at Hungry Root. It is a personalized grocery service that makes it easy to shop for, cook, and love healthy food. Um, kind of the ins and outs because there's so much we could have a whole season of just talking about sugar and how it affects the body, the mind, and everything else. <laughs> yes. I have just a couple of closing questions. Uh, as we talk about summer, now you are in summer all the season, all year long, but for us, like in Midwesterners from Iowa, uh, we haven't got to see the sunshine. So I can't wait to uh, get out there and enjoy some good food, drinks, and activity. So within lieu of that, what is your favorite summer drink, food, and activity? Can it be alcohol? Is that okay? Yes, of course. Okay. I love a good spicy margarita. That's like always like my go-to drink. Um, the spicier, the better. Um, my favorite summer food, I would have to say, is just like a barbecue. Uh, we recently did that with my sister and it's just fun, like having hamburgers grilling out and, uh, mac and cheese and all the, the yummy food there, they, um, at a barbecue. And then my favorite activity is I do it already. <laughs> I know people are like, Oh, um, I love, I live in Tampa and we have the Bay, Tampa Bay, and I love going and doing, um, we love rollerblading down at the bay. Um, and last week we saw a manatee. So that was really cool um, to wow. be able to see a manatee. Yeah, just a few feet from me. So that was really fun. Yeah. <laughs> a little nature and sunshine and everything all in one. That's awesome. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> so fun. <laughs> but thank you so much for Thank you again. I really appreciate it. Thanks so, so much. much.